on this episode of AV Week using Zoom in the courtroom, taking another look at Resi Mercial in the era of working from home, and Midwitch unveils a global deployment of Zoom's hardware as a service. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 469, recorded Friday, August 14th, 2020. Pots of Money. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED. Innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by FSR. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered for the week, first and foremost, the Bunny and Powell and the host of AV Social, Ms. Dawn Mead. AV Dawn, how are you, ma'am? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Also with us is Clint Hoffman. Uh, Clint is uh, the president of Kramer for US, but also uh, he is the supplier of my Rook Coffee. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thank you. Uh, and last but not least, a young lady who is not uh, a stranger to these parts, but I want to say that this is the first time I've had you on AV Week. I could be wrong about that. Might, uh, be ha- might be the second. Heather Sidorowitz from Southtown AV. Welcome, ma'am. It is great to be here. Oh, hey, I had you. Heather on my show, so. You know what? <laughs> it's Friday. It's, you know, um, almost it's the middle of August. And here in St. Louis, I don't think it's topped 90, which is really odd for us. It's That's typically right. In Buffalo, New York, it is over 90 today. Wow. Yeah, it's been very mild for August, which scares the bejesus out of me usually, because that means we're going to get 20 feet of snow in the, in the winter. So, you know, whatever. All right. First story comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine, AV Network, not AV Magazine. That's a different story. Uh, Midwitch is launching the global hardware as a service with Poly. A couple things here. Midwitch owns Starin Marketing. We've got a couple of friends uh, that work over there, Melissa Dillman, and of course, uh, Chris Netto, Mr. AV in the AM. So Starin is also... Uh, launching this as well. And the one thing about this is, so this is Zoom's hardware as a service, Zoom's HAAS Haas, uh, system. And, and what the one thing about this that, that's unique is the fact that this is on a global scale. So it's not that, you know, another manufacturer, or, I'm sorry, another distributor can't come up with this, but Midwich has the, has the position here of being able to do this globally. And Don, I wanna start with you on this because as someone who works for a company that we cannot name, but they have offices all over the world, how important is it to have somebody like this? And, and granted, they don't sell directly to you, but it would be the same, it would be like buying the same widget um, from several you know, several in- integrators, but it's the same system because you know that the actual, the back end is, is put together by the same people. Right, um, it's very important. Um, one of the whole reasons that I started with the company that I can't name, um, that they brought me on board as an AV architect was because, you know, we're this global entity with sectors and divisions and, and buildings and, and campuses all over the world. But it's very piecemeal as to what kind of equipment you're getting and what kind of support you're getting based on what's local. And so they brought in myself and a few others to try to standardize that across, you know, the entire enterprise. Um, when you have an offering like this that goes global, that allows someone with a company like mine or with a presence like mine to go out and look at something as a solution, not just here where I'm located, but that can be replicable across the planet, 
fairly easily, that's a game changer. I mean, sure, you know, we can, we can get this manufacturer A or manufacturer B and buy the same products from different integrators all around the planet, but to get the same package, the same integrated thing, I, I think it's really beneficial. I, you know, my own organization might be a little too big to <laughs> try to deal with recurring contracts and things like that, but the whole idea of as a service and being able to do things under operational expenses as opposed to the uh, capital expenses, that in itself is a game changer. And I think a lot of companies are going to be seriously looking at this for their uh, real-time collaboration needs. Yeah. Clint, um, different type of question here is, is as we're looking at the, the global deployment here, um, Kramer obviously has offices worldwide. You, you're, you're ahead of the U.S., but you guys have got significant offices and presence in, in India and in, in different uh, countries in Africa, Middle East, and, and Europe. When, it, when you're looking at a, something like this where you're trying to, to satisfy it and serve a global audience, how do you do that? I guess the best way to ask this is because you know different different reg- regulations and different needs, not just electrical, but also uh, there are are different standards in different parts of the world. So is it something where you're working with your local integrators and your local dealers and getting that information back from them? So absolutely, it's a huge challenge for a manufacturer. It's the panacea for a uh, a manufacturer with a worldwide footprint to be able to do that effectively. But it's but there are challenges. Not the least of which is currency exchange. You know, some uh, an integrator in the United States who might have a footprint all around the world says, "Hey, I want a price for this, and I'm going to sell it in these countries." And it's like, "Okay, well, the, your U.S. price is this." And then, well, what happens when I sell it in that country or that country? Well, let's worry about the exchange rate that day. It'll be the equivalent of that. Uh, but then that gets kind of uh, you know challenging and difficult and messy. But we all want that. And that's the, uh, that's the main objective. And so there are, you know, we're constantly trying to tighten that up. You know, you look at an organization like PSNI too, and uh, PSNI is, you know, that's kind of their objective is, uh, you know, maybe somebody in the United States is selling to a company that has a global footprint, but they can't send a person on a plane to these other countries. So they have partners and then they're kind of sharing best practices uh, for a global to get a global kind of company approach f- from a bunch of independent integrators. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Heather, we'll end up with, with you on this one. Uh, when it comes to kind of a, a, a hardware as a service model, when you're talking with your, with your clients, is this, the, as, as Don mentioned, um, it might be easier for larger, larger, larger organizations to understand and wrap their head around the as a service model because they're already in a, a contract, right? It's operational expenses when it comes to servers and when it comes to voice, uh, voice systems and things that, things of that nature. But smaller companies, they're used to buying things and then having them, right? And then in seven years or in 10 years, they do a refresh and they buy the thing again. How do you educate, you know, maybe smaller companies on this as a service and the benefits of it? Good question. Um, I think that it would definitely be, it's a different approach. So for new companies, I think that, not even new companies, I think that, that it's really just, it's the way that you present it. Um, I think so as long as integrators like us had a solid understanding about how to present it, and maybe it's someone like Staring that needs to connect with integrators to teach them how to present that. If we're all comfortable with the, there's many tools out there, something like DTools that does the same thing over and over again. Um, so it's, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So we'd have to change the way that we present that and propose that to the client. Um, and then hopefully you hit someone like Dawn and her company 
that would say, great, I love this idea because I could do this under a different umbrella than capital improvement. Um, and maybe it's a way that, that you show both so that you, you start to give businesses more options, um, which means that there's more than one avenue to get that funding. Um, it's, it's a really interesting concept, but I, I do think that for integrators, there'd have to be some connection with a company like Staring to teach almost, if you will, on how to present that forward. Hmm. Yeah, makes a, and, that makes a lot of sense. Go ahead. And if I can just jump in there, uh, that's something, it's August now. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it in 2020, but it is August now. And for certain companies in certain industries, we're coming up on the end of our fiscal year. And suddenly there's a million projects that need to be funded this year. And all we're doing these days for the past month, I've been juggling pots of money. Well, am I paying for that out of this pot of money or that pot of money? Do we have any money left in this pot of money because we need to get that room done? What about that pot of money? So when you're talking in an organization that has this system, has this crazy, you know, different budget centers and different, you know, division of who's paying for what, that becomes really, really powerful for your end user. So integrators, if you have a chance to offer something like this, August and September, sort sort of towards the end of the fiscal year, actually August through the end of the actual calendar year, you might find you'll be able to do a whole bunch more rooms with the money that you have available in operational expenses. And it, it's go staring, go midwitch. That's all I can say. You, you know what I heard there is that Dawn has buckets of money. That's all I heard there. <laughs> no, the problem is Dawn is running well, out of buckets of money. <laughs> No, we can't tell you, but if you send me an email along with a certified check, you do me. <laughs> All right. Uh, next story actually comes from our website, and I wrote this one, uh, so I'm not sure why we're using it, but whatever. Um, the Resi Marshall rising again. Here's something that's interesting. Uh, a year ago, darn near a year ago, Don, uh, Don and I uh, was on, we were on with uh, Matt Scott and our buddy Joe Whitaker. Um, talking about Resi Marshall. And, and not for another job, Joe Whitaker is, is here in, in St. Louis, uh, close to me. Matt's up in London, Ontario. And they both have done um, residential and commercial. Actually, they were both on, on the CDA board with Heather Sidorowitz. Um, Heather does uh, a, a little bit of residential still, but her focus is, is main commercial now. And that's kind of a, a common, not common theme, but, but a, a number of, of residential dealers uh, moved to, or at least started adding commercial and light commercial in the wake of the, of the housing crisis in, in 2008. Now we've got a situation where folks are going home, working from home. And companies like Crestron, which is what this article is about, but also um, Kramer and others that have traditional um, commercial AV products are looking at the home as another revenue source, as another vertical for commercial products. And this is where I want to go with this. And, and I, I talk in the article about a couple of products, but also about some, uh, some interesting stats about the fact that, that Zoom went from 10, uh, was it 10 million uh, daily users up to 300 million daily users, right? Within a camp, the span of, a, of about a month. Clint, on, on this, and, and I've, I've said this a couple different places, um, the, uh, the uh, present summit was one of them. Mark Coxon was on a panel with me and I, I, I raised this, this issue there. But in the States, residential and commercial have traditionally been oil and water, right? I'm a, I'm a resi guy. I'm a, I'm a commercial guy, right? I'm a resi gal. I am a commercial dealer. That's what I am. 
And, and now we're getting into this place where there is space here, right? Folks are working from home and if they want to do it properly or they want to do it like they, they, they did in their offices, that's going to require commercial grade, commercial AV. So how do you help the commercial dealer get into the home, right? With, with a VIA, right? How do, how do you do that? Well, that's an excellent question, and I know that's an easy thing to say, but, uh, you know, you, you have customers. Residential people have customers. Commercial people have customers. And uh, if, you're, if you have a bunch of commercial customers that are now going to go work home, well, you have your avenue to communicate with them. They're the same people, okay? Yeah. So you just you start the conversation there. It's just about, I want to sell you more stuff, but this time I want to sell it to you for a different environment that you're working in. And uh, I don't mean to oversimplify that either because, uh, you know, you stick around long enough. It used to be that commercial products came out and the technology migrated down to the residential market. And then residential products suddenly we're migrating up to the commercial market and here we are now going the other way again. So uh, it's, it's uh, strange times, but uh, literally it's, it's just about uh, talking to people. And if you know the people that are going to be working at home, you can have the conversation about how you can help them. Yeah. Uh, Heather, um, you are in a, I would say a a unique position. The fact that you, you still, you do work in, in both areas. Um, So as someone who has been in, you know, installed AV in, in people's homes, but also in their offices, is, is it something where you're, you can, you know, have those conversations and say, look, you know, you're, you're at home anyway. So let's, let's get you outfitted with something more than just, you know, nothing, nothing, anything wrong with, with, you know, a, a webcam audio, but let's get you some, some better audio. You know, is it just that simple where you're just trying to help them upgrade their systems? Well, it, it, it's interesting, right? Because when, I think maybe the question is, when is a laptop not enough? Um, because mm. for most people, especially as we went home in, in quarter two, um, we were working off our laptops and, and maybe the question we should be asking individuals is, was that enough? Um, you know, the clever ones would pick up and maybe do the video through their phone so they could still work on their laptop. So now, yes, maybe there's, there's an ability and opening for that next level, next phase. I can say that we have definitely seen a difference in robust network systems in the home, whereas before, this was invisible and I didn't understand it. And why would you dare charge me so much money to put this in my home? And now I literally, I don't like to use that word, but I literally had a woman say to me, I don't care how much it costs, please come over and fix this. So now that they understand that I can't have my kids streaming Netflix while I'm trying to do a video conferencing, suddenly it's no, that's no longer invisible. So where someone like Crestron and some of the others are going, I think that there's, I think that there's, there's, there's a hole there. there. There could be something there, but I think they, we really need to keep asking the end users the question of what does that look like? Um, so when Crestron came out with, they called it the Crestron Home something. It was pretty much a, with their partnership with Logitech with the camera and everything, but it could go to your living room and it's like a sound bar, which are great little devices, but there's no chance in HE double hockey sticks. I'm sitting on my couch and having a business meeting Right? It's just not professionalism. It's not the way I'm going to sit. So I think that we really have to say, like, how are you using it? Where are you doing these meetings? You know, back for us, I was in the dining room. My husband was in the basement. My kids were separated in other rooms. You know, or is the home office going to come back? Are we going to switch our spare bedrooms back over to home offices? Right? The house has changed over these years. So I think we have to ask more questions before we can provide all the solutions. 
it, I would also say that, that Don, as we come to you, you are also in a u- unique position uh, as Don talks into a fancy, fancy professional microphone, right? Um, so, you, you, Don, you you are the, a, a unique person because you worked in it, right? Um, right. And, um, but besides that, you know, when it comes to, you know, your coworkers, right, and, and trying to outfit them maybe, you know, how do we convince, uh, you know, as, as Heather said, that the homeowner that, you know, there, this this is something that we want to dedicate because you're we're, we're going to be there for a while. Let's be frank. We're going to be working home from home. A lot of us are. Um, I, I say that, you know, royally because I don't work at home. Uh, I still come to the office because, again, back to Heather's point, my network still stinks at home uh, and my kids are, you know, streaming everything. So I, I come to the office, but it's just me and Mitchell and Mitchell's in a different room. So, you know, yes, we're still social distancing. So, Don, how do we do that? How do we how do we get folks outfitted? I mean, you know, it depends on the size of your organization and going back to the last discussion, what pots of money you have available. You know, is this the kind of thing where your company's small, you don't have a ton of budget and it's kind of like, guys, you can work from home, but it's up to you to outfit your own house, in which case they're going to be up at Walmart picking up whatever cheap webcam they can if their laptop doesn't have one and, you know, just dealing with whatever head, headphones they have and, and, and what the laptop was equipped with. Um, an organization like mine, I know as soon as they said as many people as possible work from home, then came the AV and IT groups suddenly getting in mass orders of webcams and mass orders of headsets and things like that for the executive level employees that we had to then send all the you know extra docs for the laptops because it's fine to plug in your laptop and just have it just plugged in by itself at home if you work from home once in a while, but if you're working from home all the time, you're going to need the dock with some spare monitors and to be effective. So, you know, it, it, it really does depend on how we're paying for things. Who's paying for things? Is it every man for, or woman for him or herself? Or is it something that the company leadership is taking the initiative and saying, okay, we're going to issue you go kits, for be- lack of a better term, that allows you to work remotely and, you know, we're going to start with the execs and the mission-critical couple of departments, and then it'll filter down to the rest of the organization. In the meantime, work with what you got. So, you know, which is kind of the approach my organization has taken. Um, but, yeah, it, it, like everything else since the beginning of year, we're making it up as we go along. And I think the whole industry is, and Lord knows at this point the whole world is, because we've never had this circumstance before. The last time there was a pandemic on this scale, we didn't have video conferencing. We didn't have internet. We didn't have computers, basically. You know, so there's a whole lot of on the fly by the seat of our pants happening. And uh, God love us all for getting it done this well. Like, like our 180 social, yay to Infocom for pulling off a trade show with only six weeks. You know, yay to us for pulling off working at home when some folks found out about it a minute and a half ago. And God bless you teachers for figuring out how to teach kids with no education technology and very, very little laptop knowledge sometimes. So, you know, we don't know. <laughs> That's yeah, that, the that, short that, actually, answer. The, 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 we don't know. The, the paying for it actually is another, is another, uh, another question altogether, right? Because right. Um, in, in doing some, some research, um, some, some companies are paying for that top level, right? The C-suite. Uh, and they're, they're paying to have it installed. So that's a different sales model, right? It's a different sales right. funnel. 
Um, and then they're, they're, then they're providing, uh, was it Twitter provided a thousand dollars to everybody that went home to outfit. Now that's all they, I shouldn't say that's all they did. That's what they did. But right. then they, they left it to, up to the individual employee to get the technology that they wanted. And, you know, again, as, as Mark Coxon pointed out um, in, in the session that I was on with him, some people bought a thousand dollar chair because they wanted to be really comfortable, right? Which, which is great, but it doesn't help with, with the audio or the video. So yeah, that'll be another, another thing to watch. But if yep. I may for a second, uh, I think both Heather and Don made very important points, uh, you know, uh, based on the question you originally asked me. It's like, when is the laptop not good enough? It, uh, I'm working on a Mac and uh, it's, it, I got a set of headphones and sometimes I'm actually better off without them. Um, and then, you know, Dawn said, you asked me, how do you get uh, this, this reverse resi Marshall thing? Well, it sounds like some companies are actually the decision still being made at the corporate level. They're buying the kits and then deploying them. So you still can, you can still follow that path to get it into the house. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The best advice is everybody join the AV industry for a while and then you get cool free mics and free whatever at the trade shows and, uh, then you get your house outfitted. That's I've been yeah. doing this for 18 years. I've gotten no microphones yet. Oh, dude. Oh, we got to get you to some shows, girl. I, I had, when I had, we have them. I, I had <laughs> right. so. All right. Last story here comes to us from our friends at AV Magazine. Uh, actually about a, uh, a trial in Florida. So the folks over in the UK wrote a story about the trial in Florida. Cool. Uh, a civil trial is uh, with a binding verdict is the first in the US where every part of the process going to be held in June. It's Griffith versus Albanese, Albanese Enterprise Incorporated. If you want to know what it's about, I'll let you go take a look at the, at the, uh, the article. However, this is the part where that's really interesting. And Heather, we're going to start with you on this. The entire process, including uh, trial uh, jury uh, selection and uh, opening statements and the entire process is going to be held over Zoom. There are some folks who are commenting that whether or not about the legality of this, this is not a lawyer show. None of us are lawyers. And Josh Drago is, is, is uh, not here today. So uh, not going to talk about the, the, legal, the legalness of this, um, the legality of that, I guess, the technical is the actual word. But from an, a, a technology standpoint, what does this say? And, and what sort of doors is this open as, you know, courts and um, doctor's offices, you know, other, other areas that where you have sensitive information, sensitive material uh, that, you know, has to be, protected, they're opening themselves up now to be able to use the technology that we've had for so long. What other doors does this possibly open up and what other technology can you see maybe going, going into the courts or, or you know, in, into telemedicine? Um, I love anywhere that this is kind of breaking open the system. Um, and it's not, so I love that this could happen in courts because our court system is pretty broken. It's not super great. It's not super efficient. I have a wonderful girlfriend who unfortunately is going through a divorce. It's probably something that could be solved in a few hours in the room. And instead it goes on months after months at 20 minute increments. It's just broken. Um, so anywhere that we can start to, to recreate and reinvent what that might look like is, is great. It's going to be an uncomfortable period in the meantime. I feel the same way about education. I know that we have fear and concern. I have two children in school myself, but if we can, we've been teaching analog in a digital world for way too many world, way too many years. You know, we've had the opportunity we have um, to see really neat 
thoughts and what could be at somewhere like Infocom. Um, I remember a few years ago seeing interactive screens that would save your work and then assign you personalized homework depending on how you did on that interactive screen at the school day. You know, we've seen some really neat things, but they haven't trickled down at all. Um, we, there's a chance here to start making, making it better. Education should look different. We're just also afraid of it. The ones who will succeed in the education side is the ones that will recreate it from the ground up and not just go, okay, I'm going to stream the classroom now. I'm just going to put that on digital format, but how do we teach creatively? Courts the same way. Restaurants are the same way. The ones that are still doing okay are the ones who have creatively come up with curbside pickup or pick up this martini in a bottle at $50 a pop so you can have that same experience from your patio. There's just <laughs> where, where, where is Where is that one? There's ways to be creative, you know, whether it's in our own business or, or out there. I think that there's, you know, I, I, I think that virtual shopping, shopping's another one that hasn't been fixed. Um, you know, I like my preference for shopping was touching clothes. I like to, I want it to feel comfortable. You can't do that off the internet. What's the in-between? How do we fix it? So I think we'll see new businesses pop up out of that. Um, and I think that as ADV integrators, we are, we should be grateful that we are in a position to solve them. Absolutely. Don, we, we've made reference to the, to the fact that you work for a super secret organization, but there you also live. Uh, right outside of DC. So let's talk about the alphabet uh, organizations, right? And the folks that, um, you know, I have had hands in, in putting in uh, super secret um, Cisco switches that have to switch and they delete the entire uh, uh, string um, of, of video conferencing that happened. Again, this is 10 years ago, but you know, where you, you can't have certain things. You know, there, there are buildings that don't have internet. Uh, they have networks. They just don't have proper connection to the outside world. So looking at that from your vantage point and someone who used to work in, you know, in the AV world or around DC, what other areas do we see? Maybe from the, it, maybe it's the technology that we see going into courts, telemedicine or, you know, the alphabet uh, 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 folks, or is it just, you know, looking at, you take a look at it from, from which organizations do you see maybe opening up a little bit more than they have in the past? Well, I, I can tell you already that, that a lot of the alphabet organizations in my own organization, it was like you can never use a soft codec ever. You have to use a hard codec that's hardwired and yep. has all this security and air gaps and magic widgets inside that make it, you know, that you can talk to people. And now there's ZoomGov. And there's, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I was in, with an integrator, there was one company, I can't even remember the name of them now, that had an actual government approved soft codec that people could use. It was like SGI, SGD, something like that, strategic something. I, I ran into them at a, at a military show when I was trying to sell my company's integration services to the military. Um, you know, they were the only ones. And even they, all the military folks and the alphabet folks looked at us like, yeah, we're going to put you in. Uh -huh, right. Now, it, it's commonplace. And again, it's that rapid change. We, you know, we're making things up, but there's still approval processes. I think the biggest thing that is going to evolve the technology in these spaces, whether it's government, alphabet organizations, schools, HIPAA, you know, hindered medical organizations, all of that is going to be very dependent upon the regu regulatory stuff. 
And here's where some of my integration background comes in because way back, my very first integrator 20 years ago, I'm not that old, um, they were actually did video production and AV integration. And their video production side had a very robust vid, uh, business taking out the, the camcorders and recording depositions, but there was a whole legal process that the lawyers, they had to sign waivers and they had to be approved to be there and then they had to videotape it. And then there was a chain of custody on how the tape was approved. You know, the, the, the VHS was approved and copies were made, but each one was verified. And there was a whole thing that everybody in the office had to be like bonded to do these video recordings. From there, I remember not long before I left that company, about 10 years later, we were starting to talk about maybe putting VTC in some of the prisons, the more maximum security prisons, so that they could still see their family without taking them out into the public or whatever. You know, and now we've got Zoom trials. So it's an evolution that's going to be coming as the technology evolves, but it's going to be very tightly regulated. I know all of the codes for all of the organizations that approve the different clearance levels that my company might deal with and what we're allowed to put in and not put in. And, you know, integrators, make sure you know where your products are manufactured. Even if they're a company that's in a great place, occasionally they might get a box from a less great place. So you can't use that box. And so there's just a lot of hoops you jump through. I know medical is the same way with all their HIPAA regulations and, and their their health regulations, you know, is it antibiotic proof boxes? You know, is it a touch screen that's, that's, um, you know, able to be cleaned with scrubbed down with antibiotic stuff, you know, so there's a lot of little details that when we're breaking into these new verticals, just make sure you do your homework. But I, th I think it's definitely coming. I think this trial is amazing that we're doing it. Like Heather said, it's about time we're fixing what's broken and uh, it'll be a fun ride. You know, right. yeah, like absolutely. they say, you, may you live in interesting times. We sure are. And hopefully oh, we'll benefit baby. from. Oh, well, that baby. was actually a curse. That's a <laughs> Is that what that was? It is. Uh, it it is. Curse. Yeah. May he live in interesting times. Yeah. All right. Well, Clint, what, with the, yes, we're in interesting times, but, but what other areas do you see uh, AV getting into? For, so, so this is getting us into, you know, the, the court system in ways that we've oh, never been to before. Well, so sure. what other areas is, is it time for, you know, for, you know, military or, you know, uh, we picked on alphabet for, for a second, you know, or, you know, technology or um, education, you know, where oh. we're, where we haven't been in the past. So I, I, I don't think that there's anything that we probably couldn't do this with, like the security obviously being the concern. I mean, you know, I, I'm a big fan of football, so the NFL draft was held entirely this way, you know, and there was the commissioner with a big TV in his basement, and, uh, you know, they just kept cutting back and forth. But I honestly think as human beings, we, we do this because right now we have to. I don't think we want to. Um, we can. Um, I think the minute we don't have to anymore, we're not. I think we're going to start getting together again and going to concerts and going to sporting events and going to meetings and wanting to see each other across the table. Um, but short term, I don't think there's anything that we, you know, for the most part, you can't do. Um, I've never been in one or heard of one that was hacked. Uh, I guess it's possible that uh, your meeting could be hacked or your, your trial could be hacked, I guess. I don't know. But, um, you know, we, we, what we need to do as a, as, a, as a species, we seem to be able to do given this unusual historic pandemic. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I will say this, my, my kids uh, visited their doctor this week. Um, and I was, I was part of that. And it was the first time I had ever seen a HIPAA Zoom meeting. And so they do have it. It is more encrypted. Yeah. It, is, it is more um, uh, secure. So yeah, they, they, we are evolving, as, as, as he all said. So yeah. Although to 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 Clint's point, to prevent that hacking, because I know when, back in March when all the kids first went home to school, there was some hack roulette going on on some of the classrooms. It goes back to my point. It's all about the regulations, and it's all about best practices. And when you put these things in, make sure you're using the right version, the HIPAA version, or the the Gov version, you know, or what have you version. And then make sure you set it up right and your end users know, no click that. And then just any random participant that hacks in can't take over the screen. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, that is going to do it uh, for this month and for this week. I know this month for this week. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, Clint, thank you so much, sir. How do people get a hold of you or Kramer? So uh, you can find Kramer on the internet at www.kramerav.com. All right, very good. Dawn Mead, AV Dawn, uh, we can't find you at work, but where can we find you, ma'am? You can find me on the Twitters and the Instas and all the social network stuff as AV Dawn or Dawn Mead, M-E-A-D, just like the Fort and the General. And if you need to find me otherwise, you can find me always here on avnation.tv, hosting AV Social and showing up on AV Week as much as Tim will let me. All right. Uh, and last but not least, Heather Sidorowicz. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or Southdown AV? Uh, happy to chat on Twitter as well. I am tech underscore chi, C-H-I, as in a balance between technology and life. Um, and all the other socials, I'm out there. Um, and company would be southtownav.com. Again, that is southtownav.com. Uh, very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters, uh, but go by the website if you would, please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Uh, you'll find this program and a host of others, including Dawn's uh, AV Social, as well as Matt Scott's uh, Resi Week and a number of others. Uh, also, while you're there, check out our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others. And Kramer is one of those, and we thank them for their support. So check all of that out and more at avnation.tv. It's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. Thank you.